you're listening to the one-on-one football podcast the number one podcast for aussie rules training coaching and development tips Welcome or welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. Uh, this is episode number six. Andrew Rains here. I'm the founder of one-on-one football. And I'm always a uh, pleasure to have on board is our co-host, Harry Simington. Welcome again, Harry. How are you, mate? Rainsy. Good, mate. Good to be back. We've uh, got a second Andrew on the show today. It's not every day you get to chat to a, uh, a former AFL captain. So yeah, really looking forward to uh, picking the brains of Andrew's story. There's certainly uh, plenty to learn from this man. Um, he's a three-time best and fairest winner at North Melbourne, um, also captain the club across four seasons. After 224 games, he retired and made the trip north um, with his family, where he now coaches uh, the Gold Coast Suns uh, assistant coach role um, in the AFLW program. Um, and today, some of the key topics we're going to touch on with, uh, with Spitter, as I like to call him, and so many do, contested ball craft um, and team captaincy leading an AFL club. Um, welcome on board, Spitter. Rains in Harry. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, mate. And um, could you just give the listeners a bit of a background on yourself to, to start off? Uh, what was your earliest memory of football? Uh, maybe touching your career and then how that led to, yeah, your, your coaching role today with the Suns? Yeah, I suppose my probably my earliest memory um, was just mucking around with the footy at home. I've got, uh, got three brothers, so uh, one of them... Yeah, luckily enough, is is still playing in in AFL. Um, my brother David's at the Gold Coast Suns. So, yeah, just just playing with my brothers in the backyard, and um, I you grew up in Perth, so um, big West Coast supporters. So probably the the early West Coast um, Grand Final wins, ninety two, ninety four. Um, you know, really sort of stood out for me. And yeah, so I played most of my footy over there, and uh, slowly graduated through the ranks, and yeah, eventually found myself getting. Uh, drafted at, at pick 43 across to North Melbourne, and yeah, spent uh, yeah spent what just over 12 years there. Um, and then uh, yeah, once I, did, I sort of decided that uh, my time was done, um, yeah, we, we thought we'd get some warmer weather, and and as my brother Dave was still playing footy, um, you know, the, I'm sort of just just south of the Gold Coast, just out of Byron Bay, um, but thought it'd be a good part to the world to. To raise the kids for a um, you know for a few years, so yeah, been uh, been doing that for the last three years. It's been great to have you up here, mate. Obviously, we've worked together and, and spent some time together up um, this neck of the woods, and as you said, mate, a great lifestyle and a bit of balance with with some football, which is great. Um, and it's it's great to have you up here. Um, back to your brothers. So talk us through a bit of the backyard stuff, mate. I had two brothers um, when I was growing up, and I know it was pretty competitive, and it makes us. Uh, sort of who we are today or definitely in our footy careers um, because it makes you sometimes a bit more competitive because um, you've got to fight against your brothers. Um, what impact did this have on your, on your footy career early days and, and through your development, development years? I think probably just the, like, the competitive nature within you. You just never wanted to lose. Um, so I'm, I'm number two in order and uh, Dave's number four, so he's the, uh, he's the youngest. So, yeah, my, my older brother, um, like he, well, he was probably... Um, background was more basketball um, he still would have a run around and play footy with us and yeah I suppose I probably found when um, you know early days if I started to beat him um, you know in a game or whatever or he would just like yeah, turn to a bit of um, a bit of violence and start attacking me and so it probably it, I learned to um, I suppose be able to handle myself and um, you know against bigger sort of guys and um, yeah, so that was just yeah, that sort of competitive um, football 
um, against your brothers where it's crash and bash and uh, you want to beat them all the time. Um, and I think that, that translates really well to to the AFL because, you know, there's a lot of adversity, so, um, you know, throughout the journey. So that competitive nature to always want to, to do well, compete um, and try and win at everything, I think serves you pretty well. Yeah, for sure. And I'd love to sort of pick your brains on um, the contested football. Um, no doubt the upbringing with a, with a couple of brothers would have um, would have helped you develop that side of your game. Um, what do you see as sort of the main difference between, um, let's say, just normal ground ball and a contested ground ball or um, a normal mark and a contested mark? Um, they look quite similar, but I think the skills um, to be successful in both are actually quite different. Um, obviously, your game was built around contested football and um, competing on the inside. I'd be interested to sort of, um, yeah, see what you what techniques you use to develop your contested football. I think probably firstly it starts with like intent so the intent to actually want to go and uh and win the ball so that was probably where where i started like it was just um, you know i my early career um in juniors actually played center forward um but as i you know sort of got older i realized that i wasn't going to be uh you know that tall so at, you know just on six foot um you know i wasn't going to be able to play sort of center forward you know if i wanted to play uh, the higher level so yeah i, I slowly moved uh, when I was about 15 into the to the midfield, uh, but it was I probably always had a desire to just go and go and win the footy um, and put my head over the footy. I've never never had really any worries about um, you know the what was going on in, in traffic or you know where the bodies were. It was just go in and, and win the footy. And I think so. I think firstly you got to have that intent um, and that desire to go and and get it. Uh, and then I suppose that the subtleties around then how do you actually how do you protect yourself? Like, you know, where do you, when you feel this pressure coming, you know, how can you adjust your body positioning to actually absorb that pressure? Um, you know, when you're making sure you've got good balance of so where's your, your, your center of gravity, where's your, you know, your feet, um, and understanding all those sort of really subtle nuances that, that allow you to stay on your feet, um, better have your head over it, be able to pick it up, um, and then still have the composure then to either find someone by hand or break out of the, the you know, the congestion um, and um, and then use it from there. So, yeah, I think you, you get that, if you can get that uh, the intent and that desire to actually want to win the footy, um, then I think there's other, there's other little subtleties you can actually, um, you know, really start to teach. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? You sort of, it's a bit like tackling, I suppose, mate, which will, which, uh, which is a fair, fair, um, fair weapon in your game too with with your tackling when you played and now with your coaching I've, I've witnessed some sessions you uh, when you're working with the AFL and doing some tackle drills and some defensive stuff around that but around that contested footy is it obviously having the intent that's number one and again it's it's similar to tackling to having the intent with the skill component were there any really good coaches um, coming through you mentioned you were sent out forward and you had to adapt um, whether it was your junior years or, or when you got to North Melbourne were any really good coaches or players um, albeit sort of help you and guide you through there and, and, and help you with um, you know some really good coaching in those areas? Uh, yeah, I had like a lot of good coaches through my journey. So yeah, I was really fortunate um, growing up in Perth. My local junior coach was, a, um, he was actually the general manager of East Fremantle Footy Club, so one of the, the great waffle clubs over there. So, you know, he, he had a fair idea what was going on. So, you know, I learned a lot about him, about footy from, from his name is Kim Barrett. And he, you know, sort of, uh, he 
I suppose played us in all different positions. So we were, you know, I played down at um, you know full back, full forward, as said, centre forward, you know, ruck at some stages. You know, especially in those early years, and then as we we started to hit 12, 13, you know, sort of played mainly forward. So I got exposure to a lot of different positions. I think really helped. Uh, and then when I got to probably North Melbourne, um, someone like Darren Crocker, who um, you know was my midfield coach for a long time, he 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 was really pivotal in, in teaching me a lot of you know a lot of that midfield craft. And you know, especially when you go in and talking about a ground ball, like his thing was always you know get your get your fingers in the dirt, like get down really low. Um, you know, I think when a lot of people actually go to bend and bend down and pick the ball up, um, you got to make sure you have your you almost. Um, open your hips up a bit to a almost like a 45 degree position um, so that you've actually got a really stable base to work from um, yeah rather than just sort of bending bending over and you know if you get knocked from side to side you're probably gonna um, fall over so yeah it, it's probably a bit easier to, to explain through um, you know uh, uh, watching someone actually do it but um, you know those little subtleties um, can make a big difference absolutely love that i think um i actually i can sort of envisage it and those coaches out there or even junior football listening just the that's just gold there spitter i think like just with the ability to be able to really get that foundation on a ground ball and being able to pivot your hips on that sort of 45 i see a lot of young players these days facing forward too much mm. and they're actually nearly bent over so if you get a little knock as you said you're nearly tipping forward and obviously losing your feet and then as as you know, keeping your feet so important. So that's that's yeah. Croc, I had some uh, had some mm. coaching tips off Croc early days when I was at Richmond. He was really good in those sort of areas. So for junior footballers out there and, and looking to prove or even coaches, that there's some great little tips for you. Just approaching and the, and the fingernails dirty. We use that a fair bit in the academy terms um, with young kids coming through. Just to be able to get your fingernails dirty. Oh. So that means obviously sweeping the ball up uh, on the ground and, and allowing no um, gap in between your sort of your hands and, and um, the, the ability for the ball to sort of go through and miss it. So it's, that's, uh, that's yeah, gold, it's, mate. It's almost as yeah. well as ha- like having soft hands. I think a lot of players go in there with, with mm. hard hands. So when you're actually you're down trying to pick the ball up, it's almost allowing the ball just to come in. You know, you got your hands down nice and low and then just adjusting your position. It's almost, I, I sort of, the way I... Uh, when I'm teaching, you know, guy or kids, it's you imagine like a, a wiki keeper with he's got his gloves on and he just moves his hands depending on where the ball is, and so you just adjust, that's all you're doing. You, you get down into a good position with a really stable base, and then your hands from there can just adjust slightly depending on where the ball, you know, as the ball sort of bounces or, or um, you know comes off at different angles, you just just move your hands slightly um, and soft hands. It just allows it to come in. And then from there, you know, in that 45 position, you're then in a really good, um, like, stance to be able to actually then handball the ball from. Um, and, you know, I watch guys like, uh, for me, when I, you know, uh, especially in the back end of my career, someone like Ben Cunnington at North Melbourne, you know, really um, was someone who, who really sort of mastered that skill. And you watch him now, you know, as soon as he picks up a ground ball, like, he's straight in, the, he's straight in position to be able to then give a, give a handball off and he just... He feeds that midfield because of his ability to, to do that. Yeah, fantastic. I think um, from that, when you do secure the ball, then being able to dish it off or, or do what you do mm. with it um, is is the clearance. Now, a, a key stat on this one, mate, um, you're ranked in the top. I'll do a bit of statistic stuff every now and then before our hosts come on. and <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry, before our guests come on. And uh, in the top 20 for total number of, of clearances in the AFL history, 
don't know if you knew that mate uh 1000 and uh no 1173 clearances in total um so is this a is this the the byproduct of having really good fundamentals of what we just um spoke about with being clean and and getting that ground ball or was this something you did focus on with your clearance work um it talk us a bit about through um yeah talk us a bit more about that yeah i suppose uh i suppose when it comes to clearance work um like ground balls is definitely a component of it but i suppose for me it was probably the the actual body work um and you know and understanding the sp- where the space is and where you, where you want to what space you want to be able to protect um and where you want to like if, you, if you know your ruckman's lucky enough to get a hit where do you want to what space do you want to be able to create um so that you know if if, it, if you do win the hit you can actually work onto the footy or you know if it your ruckman loses the hit like where can you put your opponent so that they're at least chance of trying to win the footy um so for me the body work and, and understanding where the where there's you know the space that you want to protect for yourself and where where's the dangerous space for your opponent and working them away from that that was probably the the really uh big one that i spent um probably you know in terms of clearances the majority of my time yeah, yeah it's a good it's yeah i think uh sorry H, before you yeah, go on to the next one mate it's just um getting a, a bit of a, a midfield um a fantasy here i think a lot of listeners would be buying into this with some of the tips but it's it's more so um witnessing i think when you play come up against players too learning so you've talked about learning from the skill and then obviously playing coming up against some really good key midfielders that you're playing on i know um i spent a fair bit of time tagging and playing on some some excellent midfielders in in sort of Pendlebury and and uh and swan and players like this um you know you learn things off off players or any players that you came up against in your day that was sort of really good around that contested ball self or clearances that you sort of uh you know modeled your game off yeah it's uh, probably josh kennedy from the swans uh someone that sort of stands out um yeah when you actually watch him what he does really well is he actually he as he's coming in he extends his arm like right out so he straight away you, you try and get um you know close to him and he's he's got his arm right out and he's he's almost able to create you know an arm's length of separation and that's that's all he needs he's he's so good at uh, or he's so clean with the footy that you give him that amount of space and he can you know grab a footy and then be able to dish it off to someone into into time and space so yeah he was someone that uh, that definitely, you know, was a, a fair bit of a challenge and jumps to mind. Um, you know, other guys, like, I suppose, you know, at, at, in my team, I think about when I first got to the club, uh, someone like Adam Simpson, you know, the West Coast uh, coach now, um, you know, he was he was coming toward the, towards the back end of his career, but he, he was someone I learned a lot of and, um, you know, his ability to, um, you know, move through a stoppage, um, be able to sort of work you under the footy, um, and create the space over the back. He was someone who he was really good in that department, and uh, yeah, even someone like Daniel Wells, um, who probably had a slightly different game. He, he didn't like to absorb as much contact as what I did, but he he would be able to move through, um, you know, with a bit of speed, and he would get you with his agility around the contest. Played on Wellsy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he used to give me a few nightmares. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's uh, yeah, it was pretty tough. He, in was, he was very yeah. I I have this memory. Um, or he had a like a bit of an intra-club scratch match um, out at Bulleen in in Melbourne. It must have been early in my career, and uh, at the time, Brady Rawlings, um, who was you know arguably him and Cameron Ling, I think were probably the, the two best taggers mm. at that point um, of the game. 
was supposed to be running with him and I remember Wellsy, I think he kicked five in the intra club and just I've just got memories of him just striding down the, the centre of the ground, just bouncing the footy and Brady's got his head down charging after him and just couldn't get near him. He uh, at his best was was unbelievable. So it's all about playing your strength, isn't it? I think you can be effective um, in 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 congestion whether you're whether you're a bull or a, um, or a speedster. I think really playing your strength allows you to be effective and. Um, Probably a, a different body shape to Daniel Wells, but just as uh, just as effective, mate. Um, we talk a fair bit on this podcast about uh, mindset, um, and you seem like a pretty pretty calm bloke to me. What was your mindset like before a game? Um, were you more the, the the calm and composed, or the the, the hyped and energized um, sort of mindset in the in the locker rooms? Yeah, much more calm and composed. Actually, one of the girls, uh, uh, you know, as Randy mentioned before, coaching at the the Gold Coast Suns in the uh, AFLW program, and I coached the midfield there. And a couple of them actually asked me um, on the over the weekend, "What was, you know, what what do you do pre-game? Like because you know, like I think they get sometimes lost. You get in there, and you know, you've actually got a couple of hours to to you know see by before the actual your ball is bounced. And so I was always someone who, you know, I have a pretty set routine. Like I'd get there, I'd go out and have a bit of a walk on the oval, um, you know, check what the ground's like, check the centre bounce, have a few shots on goals, you know, go down, get strapped, um, massage, physio, um, and then sort of get changed and I'd almost just, you know, chill out and sit there for a bit, read the, uh, the AFL record. I don't know if they're still doing them these days, but... I remember the article. Yeah, we used to spot the difference in the back and um, read, it, read the articles. <laughs> and Yeah, I, I suppose I like to... I like to retain as much energy as I could, um, you know, and it wasn't until, um, you know, the ball was bounced that then, like, it was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to go, you know, I'm on now. So, like, I found some guys used to get really revved up and that's what worked for them. But for me, it was it was just remaining calm and working through what I needed to to do to get my mind, um, you know, in the right position. But it's, it's something, I think, which you just... You trial um, different things and you adjust as you as you go through. Uh, what I what I started my career doing compared to what I finished with was was two different things. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. a matter of, of trial and error and, and working out what you need to do to get yourself in the best frame of mind. Yeah, and linking in with that, I think too is is having that mindset and being calm pre-game yeah. to to ease a, ease a few nerves. I think is knowing what you've done during mm-hmm. the week, um, and that sets aside. Any of that anxiety because you know that when you when that ball's bouncing, you've done everything possible to get yourself up and ready and prepare for that game. Um, we love hearing about footballers doing their extras um, here on the podcast. In your in your career, I know we touched on a fair few skills today and and what you you moulded your game around. But were there two or three skills or extra time spent at training over the years that you really focused on? And if if, if so, what were they? Yeah, I suppose it probably um, there was two different things one was um like my kicking so early early days of my career um you know i came in probably not having the greatest kick um and you know even towards about you know by the time i finished um you know i wouldn't say i was an outstanding kick of the footy but i was very effective and efficient um you know i was able to hit the i I suppose i learned throughout my career what kicks i could hit and i would just hit them i wouldn't go for anything more so i spent a lot of my early days of my career um, you know, breaking down my kicking technique, I, my ball drop um, wasn't great. So really refining that. Um, you know, once I found I once I got my ball drop right. Um, so yeah, you know, but working with 
you know, like starting with a tennis ball and, you know, then working out the soccer ball, you know, football, kicking on a line, doing all these, you know, like a heap of different drills, um, you know, filming my kicking from front on, side on, um, you know, what else do we do? Even different things like we, we wore goggles where they black out the bottom half of, of it so you can, can actually mm. see your hand, um, you know, to try and get the feel of the ball um, leaving your hand onto the foot. So... Yeah, I spent a lot of lot of my early part of my career really sort of honing and refining that, um, and then once I sort of started to feel comfortable with that, like it was always it was always something I had to. It was like almost like it was okay. I've I've got it to a point I'm I'm happy with, but it, I always had to you know do maintenance on it as I suppose the way I would see it. So it was always you know had a session or two, you know, whether it was just, you know, I just tack it on to the back end of training and spend a bit of extra time at after or, or get there out there early on the track and, and just go and kick a lot of footies, um, you know, grab a, grab a partner and, and, and kick a lot of footies and just work on those basic um, fundamental, like, you know, the ball drop, which was my biggest, biggest, um, I suppose, weakness coming into a, um, becoming an April player. And the other one was, um, the other skill was just my, I suppose, my general um, ball handling. So, you know, it, you know, coming from a midfielder, the amount of times the ball hits a ruckman or hits a, someone's foot or arm and, or hits the ground and bounces at different angles. So the ability to actually um, react and have, um, you know, be able to catch a footy and, and do it cleanly. Um, you know, if you can, if you can do that um, and catch a footy really cleanly, it just allows you to just take advantage of all those little opportunities that might come your way, um, and that might you know be another four or five extra possessions a game, which is you know can be pretty important. So that was something which yeah I would always I would always do, um, you know, and especially after the main session, and then even going into the uh, the session day before the game, um, that'd be a big focus for me. Just feeling just coming out of the session feeling good about about how my touch was. Yeah, for sure. And so let's say you identified something during the week that you wanted to work on, whether it was the, the ball drop or your ball handling. Um, was that something that you sort of then got your own camera and went and filmed yourself and, and tried to problem solve yourself? Or did you have a like a development coach at the club or um, a mentor that sort of helped you, I guess, turn the um, the RFI into a um, some kind of intervention? Was there sort of someone that, that helped you with the um, with the training drills to, to improve that skill? Yeah, so... Uh... We we probably had we were, you know lucky when you when you're an AFL um, program you've got a lot of resources around you so um, you know I suppose even if I go back before that I was in a couple of you know I was in the uh, AIS academy which was I suppose like the AFL academies they have now um, so I was in there at, at sort of sixteen so that was probably the first time that they really started to um, or even realise or understand that you can actually you can do different things to improve your kicking. It's, you don't, you know, other things are just kicking a football. So that was probably the first time that I, I had an understanding, oh, I can do, you know, different things. So that was good in teaching me, um, okay, yeah, yeah, you can think outside the box for, for trying to learn a, or improve a skill um, and, and also break it down. So, you know, it, it's not just about, um, you know, how the ball comes off the foot, but it's got to be, you know, yeah, how does the ball leave your hand, you know, even before that, like what you as your approach is you're coming, you know, if your ball moving all over from side to side or is it going up or down, like, so breaking all those things down. Um, and then when, I, yeah, my early days of my career, I had a guy called Ray Breed who, uh, he was a buyer, I think his background was, um, he was a, 
lecturer at um, a uni in biomechanics. Biomechanics. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, I did a lot of stuff with him um, in my early days. And then I think once I, you know, we did a lot of filming, um, working with different things. Once I had a good understanding of that, then, um, you know, like I, I could always just grab one of our coaches and they'd be able to explain things to me. And, and because I'd seen it um, and worked on it, you know, I could quite easily sort of adjust um, adjust things pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. And that's awesome. We, um, yeah, we're huge on the extras. And I think having someone that can, um, yeah, sort of help translate the, um, what it is you need to work on into, into a specific drill is sort of um, really important and, and, and what we're trying to do here at one-on-one football as well. Um, so, mate, we actually we spoke with Josh Fraser last week um, about the relationship between a Ruckman and a Rover. Um, I'd love to get a midfielder's perspective on, on that relationship. And, um, and throughout your career, did you sort of have any any Ruckman that you were particularly close with and, and how did that how did that affect sort of um, the chemistry in the middle of the ground? Yeah, so like I was fortunate. I, uh, you know, apart from my first couple of years where it was sort of either a couple of different Ruckman, I had Todd Goldstein who's still still running around now. Uh, you know, and I suppose before he, he became, you know, the player, you know, the All-Australian, um, you know, top sort of three or four Ruckman in the comp um, probably over the last... 10 years even when he was first starting out um, he always had a really good he was always good at getting his hand to the footy and had a really good touch on the ball so he could always um, he could always get the footy where, where he wanted to and I think as his career developed he got better around the ground and, and that's sort of what's what's really enabled him to become the player he's become but yeah we um, yeah so you know, I probably played a majority of my career with him and, and we developed a really good um, good relationship um, both on and on and off the field, um, but yeah, we just had a, you know, I, I suppose I, I probably took charge of the midfield uh, in my early days at North Melbourne. We had a, we lost a few players, or you know, Adam, Adam Simpson retired, and a couple of the older guys retired. So I sort of took over, um, and Darren Crocker, who I mentioned before, was my midfield coach. Like he allowed uh, or gave quite a bit of ownership to to me and and sort of directing the group. So we. You know, like I would, I would catch up and I'd go through all the vision and work out where all the different um, weaknesses of the opposition were and how we could get them, and then we, you know, I'd sort of help instruct um, Todd and, and the other midfielders. So that I think gave me a really good understanding of, of you know where we could where we could hit the footy and um, you know, and then it was just sort of back back Todd in to, to do what he needed to do in the ruck and um, and yeah, you know, he was really like he's a left hander, so that was a bit unique for. Um, a ruckman in the in the competition, so understanding the subtleties of a, a left hander versus a right hander, and and where the ball's going to go. Um, and he was also he was because of I think his basketball background, he could actually hit the foot the footy pretty much to almost anywhere. Um, you know, a lot of ruckman can only sort of hit it in certain areas where he could hit it offhand if he needed to. Um, he could hit it long. Um, he could get it short like he could do a lot of different things which yeah so just I suppose understanding what he was capable of um, capable of and um, you know and then I suppose that enabled me to be able to make the most of the work he did amazing isn't it building that relationship and spending the time together when you're full time professional it gives you that chance um, that opportunity what you said before I think then the resource we got in the AFL club but even though it's a community level and, and grassroots, just building relationships on and off the field with with those type of players or your mates that you play with, think yes, yeah, mm. um, as you said, mate, can pay off. So I want to take you back to uh, 
2012 when you were appointed as captain, taking over from Brent Harvey. Um, fair shoes to fill there, and and reflecting back, mate. Um, obviously did an amazing job for the for the total time you you were captain. What were the challenges early on, and and how did you sort of go about um, you know transitioning from just a you know sort of you would have been the leadership group, but then to to be the the main guy, the head cap, the the captain and the the head of the team. Um, talk us talk us through that, mate. Early days. Well, I suppose I, like firstly, I was, actually wasn't in the leadership group prior to that, so they only had a, a really small leadership group. I think it was um, Brent Harvey was captain, Drew Petrie and Brady Rawlings were vice captains. That was it. So um, that was the extent of the leadership group. So when I came in, it was really my first experience uh, of being in the leadership group and trying to understand how they did things before um, you know I, I sort of got involved uh, you know probably the one thing I, I realized straight away was that they were really reactive in the way um, that they did things so it was almost like okay when there's a problem like okay well, how will we solve it whereas uh, one thing I sort of identified pretty early on was like actually we need to be a lot more proactive with things we need to be you know mm. catching up regularly checking on the state of you know the playing group on the uh, you know the other leaders you know how are we so developing personally ourselves so that we you know we can become better leaders um, you know what's the like catching up with a coach regularly um, seeing what their thoughts are um, and having a, a I suppose a broader understanding of of the football club and what they're trying to achieve so that was probably the bit the thing I've I, you know I realized straight away was like I've actually I've got to be a lot more you know proactive than probably the way things have been done here before um, yeah so that's that was my sort of stance and and then it's just probably starting to work and yeah work on the relationships with with all the different players you know I um, I was 24 at the time you know Brent Harvey was you know, still playing great footy then. Uh, you know, he would have been probably you know mid thirties. So you had guys that are sort of ten years younger, uh, ten years older than you. You know, guys that are six years younger. So you just had a, a wide variety of, of players that you had to sort of um, be able to communicate with, um, develop friendships, and um, but also then um, earn the respect of and, and trust. Uh, and that was that was a big one. So being able to the, to get the trust of them to, to see that you know I'm putting hopefully their best interests um, at heart um, first. Um, that was that was one of the big things I, I, I really try to work on. Yeah, for sure. And we spoke before about some of the um, some of the people that had a really big impact on your career, like um, on field as a footballer, your craft, your ball handling. Um, were there any sort of mentors or anyone that, that really helped you develop your leadership style? Obviously, there's, there's different types of leaders. Um, mm. Does anyone stick out in your mind as, as, as really helping you sort of develop your craft as a leader? Yeah, so we had a um, Ben Robbins who was uh, he was at played at Brisbane and North, and he was mm. uh, one of Brad Scott's um, good mates, um, and he came and worked in with the leadership group for, for quite a long time, and so. He was someone who who really helped us. You know, he helped us develop a leadership philosophy, and um, you know, I suppose work on you know understanding that you know leaders have different strengths, and you know, you're not going to have um, be able to do everything, but understand you're working together. So there's a whole range of different things that he took us through, and um, yeah, he used to throw case studies at us all the time. So 
you know, we would spend, you know, say we had a, an hour, an hour and a half meeting, we might spend, you know, 20 minutes talking about the, you know, the what was happening in the club and what things needed, issues need to be sort of sorted out. We'd spend, you know, 20 minutes work, you know, on, on something that was actually helping us to develop as leaders. So it might be a case study or some sort of task that he had given us. And then we might spend 20 minutes talking about the game that we just played on the weekend and, and you know, hearing from, from the coach. So, like, I, I think being able to sort of, you know, not just worry about all the issues, but actually do things as well that was, you know, that you could help, you know, teach you to become better as a leader. Uh, that was really, you know, really important to me. So, yeah, he was someone who I'd, I'd probably credit with, you know, allowing me to sort of develop um, a fair bit in that area. Yeah, excellent stuff. And and mate, years later, um, uh, your brother Dave followed in your footsteps and, and became an AFL captain. Mm. Um, obviously, you have got a great relationship with him, and the way he goes about, it, I, I think he's a, I think he's a heart and soul of the Suns um, over the journey, and he's been he's been a fantastic leader. Um, has he's obviously turned a, a fair bit of your advice over the years, and in any way, sort of how have you gone about sort of helping him and assisting him in his leadership? Yeah, I suppose probably firstly, like, he, you know, he's a he's very probably approaches it very differently to the way um, way I approached it. So it was sort of understand or realizing that was the case, and and giving him the space to be able to make the decisions that you know he wanted to make, and um, but I suppose be there for him when he needed advice um, or wanted to yeah wanted to to hear from my my experiences. Um, so yeah, I think if I'd come in and said you got to do it this way um, and that, like it wouldn't have suited him because he he's just a he's just a different personality to, to me. So allowing him to still be who he is, um, but also sort of to to try and yeah support him where where he needed to be supported, uh, you know. And he's come a long way, but I also still think he can go to a whole new level, um, you know, with his leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And um, mate, if you could go back in time to when you were about sixteen or seventeen, um, what would you do differently, if anything? Um, and what sort of advice would you give to footballers that are that are of that age, um, at the moment? Uh, what sort of advice? Um, I think firstly, enjoy, enjoy what you do. Like you've got to enjoy it. So yeah, have fun. Um, and then. I think realize that you never. Um, I think Brad Scott, our, our coach, used to talk about this a fair bit. Like he would talk to us about, like you know, if you if you think about the potential, um, your maximum potential that you have, you're probably never gonna ever uh, be able to actually reach that um, because there's just not enough hours in the day to be able to put in to get to to, to that level. So you know, to be able to actually. Um, dedicate the time, um, put the effort into um, to try and improve. Um, you know, and it takes a lot of a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of effort, you know, take on advice from, from those around you. Um, and yeah, just keep working at it. Um, you know, and that and that was I suppose my my story was I just had to put myself uh, you know, put the work in and, and trust that the opportunities would come along when they when they needed to and, and then you know, um, I think Ranger, you talked about it earlier. Like, have the confidence that you've done the work. That um, when those opportunities do come along, to step up to a, to a, you know, uh, the next level, um, that you're able to actually take them. Yeah, for sure. And um, and also, mate, since retiring, I know you've uh, taken up surfing. Um, <laughs> I'd love to get your 
take on um, <laughs> on the importance of hobbies um was surfing something you always did i'm assuming a little bit less in melbourne than, than up in uh, up in byron but um did you have a hobby when you were playing and and, and what sort of What's the importance of, of having something outside football to, to take your mind away from the game? Oh, I think it's massive having something outside of footy. Uh, no, it wasn't a hobby. Surfing wasn't a hobby for me prior to coming up here. I think even though I grew up in Perth and you know good beaches there and, and weather, it just um, wasn't something that we, we did a, a lot as a family with four boys and you know a lot of sport on the weekend that we just didn't have a heap of time to get to the beach. Um, but, um, yeah, like I suppose I went to uni, I did a business degree while I was there, so that took me sort of six and a half years to complete while I was playing. Um, so that was probably the one thing uh, outside of footy, I don't know if you'd call it a hobby, um, but it, it, it allowed me to have an outlet where, you know, I had something else to, to sort of focus on. Um, and then, yeah, just like I used to spend a lot of time catching up with family and or probably so not, not so much family, but friends outside of the footy club so it wasn't just you know I wasn't mixing 24-7 with the people that I went to to the footy club with um, you know and I think that can be that that was good because it was you know you're having different conversations about other things than, than just footy um, so they were probably the, the two things that I, that I did a fair bit um, you know and then yeah I always, always seem to be pretty busy with other um, bits and pieces that would bob up from time to time so um, yeah I seem to keep myself pretty busy and the, towards the back end of actually my career um, we built a couple of houses so that was something I actually I quite enjoyed so I'd probably say that was a hobby and you know come out with designs and planning and um, that was something I, I enjoyed doing. Love your work mate and uh, you look look nice and tanned you got the, the longer hair mate these days just gracing the, the beaches of Byron Bay um in fine style um and obviously uh part of your role now with the with the sons we touched on before um being an assistant coach with the aflw um you're coaching and leading young women obviously most days or, or part-time role um have had to change anything or adapt um your leadership style or your coaching um in in the female spa- space and, and what are some of the challenges there yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely uh, different in the t- between the t- you know the uh, the genders and in terms of um, how you approach it. I think you like they are so willing to learn uh, the women, which is what, what I love about the role. Like they want to learn the sponges, um, you know, like they they take things on board. Um, they go out there and they they want to get better. Um, I suppose it's just probably the, a, a more gentler touch with them or, or approach with them. Um, you know, going there and, and giving them a, a serve for not doing something, um, I don't think they would probably take too well to that. Although they they enjoy direct feedback, um, you know, it's probably a, a bit different to the men where you you know you can um, you, you can question things and um, probably raise your voice a little bit more. Um, you know, the girls, I think it's a lot more positivity and. Um, yeah, probably just a, a, a coming from a, from a more educational point of view, trying to get them to um, improve their, their knowledge and understanding. So, yeah, we've, we've made good strides in the first couple of years. Probably the performances haven't been quite where they wanted to so far this season. But, um, yeah, we, we, you know, we can see the level of play, you know, I think, in the, across the competition, you know, getting better and better. So, you know, I think in the next couple of years, uh, it's only going to improve. Yeah, absolutely, and Matt, no doubt the um, the girls are uh, very lucky to be um, to be coached by someone with your experience, and um, no doubt learning a lot from you. 
Uh, mate, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks for thanks a heap for coming on the podcast. It's um it's been great. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you back on again. Thanks for coming. No worries at all, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Peter, mate. Love your work and uh, yeah, some great tips there, mate. And enjoy the rest of your, uh, your day. And we'll we'll see you. Hopefully, who knows the coaching uh, coaching role in not too distant future. Maybe a head coach of the AFLW or up the AFL ranks, mate, if you want it. But um, yeah, some really good stuff there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the One on One Football Podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on future episodes, special guests, and more, feel free to subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. One-on-one football, connecting footballers with private AFL-accredited coaches Australia-wide. Register now at oneonefootball.com.au.